Hey everyone, welcome back to the Last Word on Sens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Uh, I've taken a bit of a break over the past couple of weeks. I just figured as the season finished off and playoffs had started, I wanted to sit back and, and kind of enjoy the playoffs, and that's what I've done. Um, but with the playoffs wrapping up here, Sens news is picking up, and uh, I figured what better time to jump back into things than now. So, uh, yeah, getting started today with a Seattle Kraken expansion draft preview. Uh, I have a great guest on. I, I think everyone will really enjoy it. Um, we go through the, the Kraken expansion draft, um, who they could pick, you know, what a strategy should be, who Ottawa might lose, um, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, hoping to get back to uh, probably every other week for the summer here. Uh, maybe, maybe weekly as the news picks up, but... Um, yeah, there'll definitely be the draft, obviously the expansion draft that's going to happen, and then free agency. That'll be a busy couple weeks, and then from there into the summer, a couple months, I'll probably go every other week. But I'm hoping to have guests on all throughout the summer um, from either, you know, Sense Twitter or other teams too. So if there's anyone you want to hear on the podcast, just give me a shout. Uh, my Twitter is at NHL Sends and stuff, and you can find the po- podcast on Twitter at Last Word on Sends as well. So um, thank you everyone for listening. I-, I hope you enjoy this and I'll see you all next week. Joining me now, he is one of, I think the first, uh, multi-sport, uh, co-hosts I've had on to the podcast. He does a lot of stuff with football, uh, the, the Cowboys wire, uh, and you know, he, he does a lot of Seattle Seahawks stuff. I think that's how I actually found you. Um, but he's also the co-host of the squid pod and also does hockey stuff and cracking stuff for Cascadia sports network. It's Dan Morris. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going today, man? Oh, it's going great. Thank you for the introduction. I feel very accomplished after listening to that. So, I mean, yeah. A, a man of many talents. I believe you also have been dabbling in baseball, too, uh, with the, a, the, a the bit, yeah. run. And that's been a lot of fun to see. So yeah, I definitely, if it's, uh, if anyone else is interested in multiple sports, you're the, definitely the, I think the most, uh, um, detailed guests that I've had on that's not just hockey, but, uh, today we're going to talk some Seattle Kraken. Um, I, I figured it was a pretty good time that the expansion draft is right around the corner. It's coming up in a couple of weeks here. And, you know, as we're recording, it's game four of the Stanley cup finals and, uh, you know, Montreal might push that five, but it doesn't look like it's going to go too much further. So <laughs> I figured Let's take a look at Seattle. Yeah, let's move into the off season. <laughs> yeah, I just say, and it, it's going to be a quick off season here because it's a it's a real short turnaround this year. They want to get right back on track again in October, so it's going to be the expansion draft, free agency, the the entry draft, all of that is going to hit in a row here. Um, and so, you know, we'll start with, um, uh, I guess, as someone you know who's who's a Seattle sports fan, generally speaking, right? Uh, um, a just yeah. how exciting has the process been to you know get a a new team coming into the city and, you know, something to just build and start from scratch. Well, what's that process been like as a fan? Oh, it's unreal. I mean, you, you really only get one chance usually to, to see a team come in from, from absolutely nothing to becoming a real team. So, uh, and I've been a hockey fan my whole life. When I was a kid, we went to, we had season tickets to the Thunderbirds, the uh, local BHL team here, major juniors. We watched a lot growing up. Uh, you know, I got into the NHL, Back in like late '90s, I was a big Colorado Avalanche fan. My brother was a Red Wings fan, so we had a lot of fun there. Uh, but yeah, just to see us finally get an NHL team because it got thrown out every couple of years. Like, yeah, you know what? I think Seattle might get an expansion team. I'm like, really? And then nothing would happen. So to finally see it get approved, uh, it's wild. I've never been so excited for an NHL season to end because I know that once it does, that we're we're going to be a part of everything. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. I can't even imagine that feeling. You know, I'm excited and just see the chaos that's about to ensue with the yeah. new team. Like the whole Vegas process was awesome. And I'm expecting this to be the exact same thing of just players going everywhere. We're already seeing a bunch of re-signings. And I think a lot of that has to do with Seattle coming in, um, you know, with guys like RNH signing new deals that, uh, um, you know, maybe would have waited until a little later in the summer to get done. But uh, no, it's really exciting. And I think it, it's cool too, because it, it's starting from scratch, you know, Obviously, none of these players have played on the team. It's not like when a team went to Winnipeg, it was just the Atlanta Thrashers moving. And I mean, not people would still be absolutely pumped about that too. Don't get me wrong if it was a relocation, but there, there's something special about getting to build something from scratch. And, um, you know, we're going to look into that tonight, I think a little bit, just because, you know, there's, there's really so many ways this team can go. And I, I'm curious to get your opinion on how you want to see them be built. And, you know, is that in line with what you think they're going to do? Because, um, there's a, there's a ton of options. I mean, there's, it's endless really, but um, you know, if we had to look at what way do you think they're going to build and what way do you want to, let's start with want. Um, if you were the GM of the team, you know, what would you be looking at uh, this year um, coming into the expansion draft? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking more to, I, I look for upside, right? You want to find, I would look for uh, younger guys, guys that maybe haven't had a chance have that, uh, in Seattle, we get more ice time and we get to actually find out what they are, right? I don't want, like, there's going to be plenty of bottom six talent available that we kind of know what they are. And sure, like, their floor is they're an NHL caliber player and we could build a whole team out of that. But you're not going to do much with that. So I'm I'm all for just going as much upside as possible. And if you kind of stink the first year, you know, it's not, I mean, before Vegas, that's what you expected for an expansion team, right? So, uh yeah, that, that, that's what I would look for first. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll get into the expectations and what to learn from Vegas here in a second, too. Yeah. But I think, you know, it, it all depends on what's available. But, um, you know, mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing to focus on is that, yeah, it's probably not going to be a repeat of what happened in Vegas. You know, that was a miracle run that we'll talk about for years for a reason. But it's also not realistic to expect any expansion team to to go on the finals run like that because, you know, even Vegas, no one expected that, right? Like coming into yeah. the year, people thought that roster wasn't going to be great, but I do think there's some, some really good things that they can do what Vegas did. And one of the things I'd be looking at if I'm Seattle, and I, I think they will do this um, is, is take advantage of this flat salary cap and um, all the salary space that you have coming into this year, because, you know, they're going to start with clean books and they have a chance to make a real cheap team here. And you know what that real cheap team could, could translate into is just, a lot of avenue to pick up a bad contract or not even a bad contract, just a contract teams can't afford for a pick. And I think one of the biggest names I think of right now is Tyler Johnson. Like how great of a player would that be to just, you know, have in your top six, he he's been, uh, he's probably going to win back to back Stanley cups here. He, and he's a big part of that team. Like he was huge in game three. It's not like Tampa wants to give him away. He's at a decent salary for a couple more years and there's a good chance he can get a second, maybe even a first round pick for that kind of player. If those moves are available and, you know, obviously as long as you're not handicapping yourself three, four years down the road, that's exactly what I think this team should be looking at. And I, I think there's plenty of names available that they could do that for. And I'm really intrigued to see how they work the market. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The flat cap is going to be huge. People keep talking about how Vegas, uh, you know, swindled a bunch of teams and Seattle wouldn't be able to do that. And with the cap, the way it is, I think Seattle could make even more trades in Vegas potentially, you know, whether or not that translates to a Shea Theodore or, you know, William Carlson that like actually is a great NHL talent, you know, we'll see, but they should be able to at least get a bunch of 
uh, some good prospects, a bunch of draft picks, a bunch of, a bunch of swings at it, you know? So uh, I'm very excited about that. I like Tyler Johnson too. Uh, people talk about he's a Spokane native, which isn't exactly a suburb of Seattle. It's on, it's about four hours away, but yeah, you know, it's the same state. It'd be the closest team to the, to his hometown. So I'd be stoked to see Tyler Johnson. Um, I was working on a mock draft earlier that I'm trying, you know, I've just basically been doing those for weeks now. Uh, and I've seen a lot of protection lists that have Tampa protecting four defensemen and four forwards. And some of them are like leaving Yanni Gord or Andre Pilat even. And I'm just like that. I mean, I feel like there's a side deal coming if they're trying to leave those guys unprotected, which I am okay with. I'm absolutely ready to make a deal because Tampa does need to dump some salary. So I'll take that Tyler Johnson contract on, but yeah, I, I feel like they should, Seattle should get something else with that. Yeah. I think Tampa is one of those uh, teams that it almost doesn't matter what happens. They're going to probably come out the winner. Like um, Seattle will come out the yeah. winner in that because they're either going to probably take on a, more money than they even need to, but for more assets, more picks, players, whatever, or they're just going to take a Yanni Gord and say, all right, if you're going to leave your ninth best player unprotected, your ninth best player is a lot better than most ninth best players or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's for really sure. no, no losing in that scenario. And, um, you know, another name I've seen thrown around is like a TJ Oshie type, like the same kind of thing. I, I don't think he's a native of Seattle, but I, I'm pretty sure I remember he's from around the area. So that would be cool. But it, it's those type of players I'm really intrigued to see. And I think if we're comparing to Vegas, you, you mentioned Shea Theodore, and that's that's the big one. Like the thing that I was so impressed with Vegas was being able to find, obviously, the William Carlson's, you know, Marcia So and Smith kind of fell in their lap, but even they took a step up from what we what we saw in Florida. But it's finding the guys like Shea Theodore, getting the top end picks so you could go get Eric Branstrom, which allowed you to trade for Mark Stone, uh, you know, Nick Suzuki, which, you know, now it's almost looking like maybe they should have kept them, <laughs> but let them go get Patch Ready in year two of their existence, right? It's getting all those high end assets and, and not just accumulating the assets, but making sure you know and hit on what players you can get. And, um, you know, I, I think Vegas did a great job of swinging at some of that upside, you know, with guys like Shea Theodore, even Alex Tuck was a really nice pickup for just taking on, um, I can't remember, he's not even in the league anymore, but basically to not take Matt Dumba, it was it was the, yeah. the, the cost, right? So, um, but yeah, like, I think if you're Seattle, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for stuff like that. And I'm really, really intrigued to see, how many teams are going to fall for the same trap again? Because I, I do think there's probably going to be seven or eight off the top of my head that would be more than willing to give up some assets to move move a salary they maybe don't want or a player they can't afford. And I think that puts Seattle in a really good position. Yeah, for sure. There's also some teams that like didn't, you could argue didn't really lose when they traded with Vegas, right? Like I think the, the Hurricanes traded a fifth round pick to get Vegas take, um, what was his name? Connor Brickley, I think was his name, who's not even in the league anymore. So, you know, they'd have no hesitation to do something like that again. So a lot of those guys, and I think, I can't remember what Winnipeg traded, but they traded quite a bit. I feel like they gave up, like, uh, I don't remember who they gave up, but I think they got an unrestricted free agent. So that one wasn't even a terrible trade for them too. They might've given up a little too much, but uh, yeah, now with the flat cap teams, even if they did learn, they're going to be like, well, crap, I thought we'd have more room here. I, I kind of have to, to dump this contract here. So, uh, yeah, there'll be some good moves. I'm curious which big contracts they're going to take on because it seems like they have to take on at least one or two, you know, that are $5 million plus. Uh, but they could go a lot of different directions with that. They could go Matt Dumbo, like you just said. Um, you know, whoever from Tampa is going to probably make $5 million a year, Tyler Johnson or Yanni Gord or um, – 
I don't remember what their defensemen are making, but yeah, yeah man, I'm pretty I, excited about that. I was going to say, I think in the expansion draft alone, they'll have to take a couple guys because they got to hit the, the salary uh, floor, but so they'll probably take a couple yeah. guys and I wouldn't even be surprised if they make a couple deals later in the summer where it's like, like, I don't know, come August or whatever. It's like, Hey, we still have, $15 million in cap space. We'll take that $3 million player. You didn't want to give an asset up for earlier, but it's going to cost you a fourth or whatever. Right. And, and, and that's the kind of thing yeah. I could see um, another player. I think that's over five mil that, that really could make sense for, for both sides is Adam Henrique from the Anaheim ducks. Um, 31 years old, three more years at $5.825 million. His, his underlying analytics aren't bad. Like he's not a $5.8 million player anymore. But again, if, if Anaheim's looking to, you know, get younger, free up a, some space and, um, you know, or, and want to move money, um, you know, if the price is right, I'm sure that's another player that Seattle could look to acquire. And, you know, from everything I've heard, he's a pretty solid leader or whatever. And it's not a bad uh, guy to just have as a body for a couple of years. So I, I, that's a, that's another name. And um, uh, the one I really want to see like really badly is PK Subban. I think that would be so cool. <laughs> I don't know if it'll make sense for New Jersey. I, I think it probably makes more sense for New Jersey to just eat the last year of that cap hit, but my God, that would be a, a really, he's not what he once was four years ago, but that would just be such a cool way to start the face of your franchise off. Oh my God, I love PK Subban so much and like $9 million, but yeah, I think he's only got one year left. Right. Yep. So when I'm looking, when I'm looking at those and I see a lot of the big contracts, a lot of them only have one to two years left. And if, if I'm Seattle and somebody's offering like offering me a big ass contract and they want to give me draft capital ticket, I'm like, well, we're probably not going to be that competitive year one, year two. Uh, so yeah, we can eat some contracts these first couple of years let that expire. And with a guy like PK Subban, man, he's such a great personality. Uh, people here would love him, like regardless of what he did on the ice. I'm convinced of that. So, uh, but man, nine million is a lot, but only one more year. I'm totally down for PK Subban. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, right? Where it's like, it'll all depend on, you know, what, what else falls into place too. But if it's a case where it's like, you need that cap hit to make the floor or whatever, anyways, you know, maybe it makes sense for both sides, but, uh, um, yeah. And another thing I think they should learn, you know, from Vegas here is even if they're not as good as Vegas was right away, um, one of the big, big Vegas's biggest strengths and how they built the team to be a legitimate Stanley cup contender where they've gone to, two conference finals, a Stanley cup final and got eliminated in a crazy four, one game against San Jose in game seven, like probably could have made another conference final run. Um, one of the ways they got there was they had so many assets from this draft. And I think that's something that can't be overlooked. If you're Seattle, like take every single pick you can get, because you're probably not going to use them all in drafts, but man, like the, the, the way that Vegas, like they had, they still have picks from the expansion draft coming in like this year's draft. Like, I think it was Pittsburgh and Columbus gave them this year's draft and that thing happened four years ago. And it's just like that kind of stuff is so cool. And they can, or you can, you know, if you have 15 picks in one draft, you can bump those picks down the road. Some team will always be willing to switch your second this year for their second next year or whatever, you know? And, and it's just that kind of stuff where it's like, I think if they keep their, their books pretty flexible and, and their draft uh, capital stocked, it's really going to put this team in a good position going forward. Cause even if you don't take all those picks, they can be moved in so many different ways in the NHL. And I'm really curious to see how the front office uh, handles that because they, they have a, a really smart looking front office here. You know, they, they already have one of the biggest analytics staffs in the league. And I'm just, I'm really, really intrigued to see what they do and if they can really take advantage of some teams falling into the same trap two times in four years or whatever it's been. 
Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm stoked on the analytics because I'm a I'm a big nerd. If you read any of what I've written, yeah, I definitely like the st- statistics side of things. Uh, yeah, Vegas also. I remember after the expansion draft, they took uh, they got a whole lot of defensemen and just immediately flipped a couple of them like the next day or like the night of. So uh, I was talking to my brother about uh, getting a jersey, trying to figure out what player we want once soon as the jerseys are released. And I'm like, well, I'm probably going to wait like a week because the expansion roster, there's going to be several of those players that are immediately flipped for, you know, something else to another team. So uh, I'm curious how many of those will come up because once again, looking at the expansion draft, there's going to be a lot of uh, very capable defensemen coming through that are going to be just by nature of only being able to protect three there's should be like a top four guy from everyone. Right. So uh, yeah, I think the defense is going to be the strength of this team and I'm curious where uh, who's going to stay and who's going to go immediately. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, options in net, you know, too. And I I think that's another area where um, I really do think they have the, um, the possibility to kind of, I don't know corners the market the right thing because we never really see a, a potent goalie market but um you know like a guy like jake allen I, I think is the perfect opportunity to take him and even if you don't see him as your future goaltender or whatever he's on a pretty reasonable contract i think it's 2.1 million dollars for two or three more years starting this coming year and that's not bad money for a guy who can play 30 to 35 games pretty reasonably and you know some team out oh, montreal is going to really want that i think but you know you look at like the Toronto Maple Leafs or, you know, the Edmonton Oilers are another team that come to mind where it's like, um, you know, just, and then I'm sure there's probably about seven more that I could name, but just as teams that are like, Oh yeah, we could use a really solid one B backup kind of guy for $2.1 million. And it's just natural that everyone they take, they're not going to be able to use because they're drafting from 30 teams. Um, And, you know, again, we've talked about the side deals. There's going to be some deals where it's like, Hey, if you take this player, we're going to throw in our Alex Tuck or whatever, not obviously not him, but from the same kind of idea. Right. And that guy might make the roster right away. So it's like, well, there's another guy you have out and, you know, maybe they look to, to sign a free agent in, in the summer, a free agent or two. So um, yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of guys where I think they, they're going to have the possibility to flip it. And um, I'm curious to see how they approach that because Vegas's thing was they tried, they, took every defenseman they could basically like they, I think they had 11 NHL D men on the roster to start the year. Cause they were actively still trying to trade guys. And, and I think that backfired on them a little bit just because, you know, there were some guys, they just could not move, you know, and they had to wave or gave up for a seventh when they maybe wanted a fourth, but if they even that out and they're still, you know, forwards up front that it's like, Oh yeah. Like, I don't know. Josh Levo is a perfect name. I think, you know, an undervalued forward maybe who it's like, if Seattle ends up with him, yeah, Levo's probably not going to make a giant difference going forward for your team, but some team could absolutely use him as a good third or fourth line piece. And if you can get a fifth or sixth round pick for that, like it's just great asset management. And um, you know, the, that kind of possibility is going to be there. I think no doubt for a lot of the teams in this league. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, going back to Jake Allen, I'm, I'm down for Jake Allen because he's on one of the more reasonable contracts for a goalie. You'll see in the expansion draft for sure. Uh, like Anton Kudobin keeps getting thrown out there and he's actually pretty reasonable too for uh, a 35 year old goalie. So uh, Kudobin and Jake Allen seem like the most, most likely candidates. Uh, I've I'm, honestly, we're talking, this is a senator's podcast. I've looked at the senator's goalies as potential picks for the Kraken too. What is it? Gust- uh, Gustafson and uh, Joey, the other one? Joey Decord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, feel I, like, say that's, I feel like one of those is very possible. That's a perfect, uh, I think, segue because I wanted to get into quickly, like have some Ottawa content here. And I was going to say, who do you think, <laughs> yeah. you know, Ottawa will lose? And 
again, yeah, I think that is um, – I'm really worried from an Ottawa standpoint that they're they're going to protect Matt Murray. I, I don't think they should. I don't think they have any reason to. I don't think Seattle is touching that contract. It's three years for six point three more years for 6.5 mil, 6.75 mil, I want to say. Maybe 6.25, I think. It's just – it's not a good contract. And, you know, even if you thought it maybe was like, it's just big enough where it's like, even if they did take it, I just think they would be uh, doing you a service almost to take it off, off of your hands. But um, yeah, you know, I'm really worried as a Senators fan that they're, they're going to lose someone um, either a Gustafson or a decor. And I think if, if you're Seattle, uh, Gustafson is probably the name that I would be personally looking at and hoping for he's 23 years old and I believe he still has one more year of waiver eligibility as well so he could be the perfect like third string goalie for the team where it's like if you do have two legitimate NHL options and you want to roll to start the year with that maybe you flip one at the deadline and then Gustafson can come up but he you know you don't have to worry about losing him at the start of the year and 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 that's the kind of thing where I think um, I'm really intrigued but uh, you know Joey Decord's another interesting name as well he hasn't really put up the numbers but he looks just very clean in the net is the best way I can describe it. Like uh, he just, I don't know, like he is safer. If you just go and look at his save percentage or anything like that, it doesn't pop off the page or anything, but he's very technically sound. And he too, I think would be an all right option as, as a, as a third goalie for Seattle. And then, you know, once you get past there, they're not taking a defenseman from Ottawa because wow, is Ottawa ever, uh, um, they don't have many defensemen is I think the kindest way to put it because Artem Zub does not need to be product protected and neither does Eric Branstrom. So it's going to be Shabbat Mete and take your pick of Zaitsev and Josh Brown. And neither, again, neither of those guys are getting picked. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been looking at the Ottawa and man, just all the, all the best Ottawa players are exempt because they're all in what year one or two, you know, it's, it's really rough. So going through it, I'm trying to do the exercise and I'm looking I'm like, all right, I don't want the defense, the forwards. What am I going to take? Uh, Chris Tierney, I, you know, like <laughs> bottom six guy, there's going to be plenty of Chris Tierney's in, in the available in the expansion draft. So yeah, I, uh, I do think one name that might be available that I don't like, if I was doing the list, it wouldn't be, but it might have Genny Dadanov is a name I would keep an eye on. Um, there's yeah. been talk that Ottawa, I mean, he, there was no, uh, just kind of, he struggled in his first year. He had, I think eight assists this year or something like that did not score at the clip that they thought he was getting from the Panthers, but I don't know. I personally think that would be a huge loss for Ottawa. Um, not a huge loss, just an unnecessary one. Like the, the, he put up, uh, I mean, I'm just looking up his stats now, 13 goals and seven assists in 55 games last year. So again, not, like eye popping numbers or anything. It's no, he scored 25, 28 and 28 in his previous three years with Florida. But the biggest difference is he was playing with Huberto and Barkov for that entire time, two of the best players in the league. And he was just kind of fumbled around. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, he never really clicked on Ottawa's power play and that's fair, but you know, for $5 million, I still think there's worse options, but if he's a guy that's left exposed, I think if I'm Seattle, I'm taking him because I think there's a really good chance for Seattle to plug him up on a top line there recoup his value and either this year or next year when he's got one year left and is becoming a UFA, you can flip him for more assets. And, you know, that's a theme of this podcast here, but uh, I think that would be an option if, you know, it, they're not going to go goaltending and Dadanov's available. I, I think that is probably where they look, but you know, if Dadanov's protected, it's uh, like, I'm just doing the exercise literally right now. And it is a, um, uh, not very deep up front either. Like the names I got is Chris Tierney, yeah. um, 
Jonathan Davidson, but you know, he's a 24 year old fringe NHLer. I thought maybe Vitaly Abramov would be an, an option, but he just signed a two year deal in the KHL. So I, I think that takes him off the table. And then that's about it. Unless you want to take Austin Watson, which I don't think uh, the Seattle Kraken are going to do. No. Yeah. That's kind of where I landed too. When I went and I was looking through Ottawa. So that's why I pivoted to the goalies and I was like, you know, I've heard some good things about these guys. I'm glad to hear you talk about them because yeah, I know you've seen a lot more of them than I have. Uh, but, but you know, those guys, one of those goalies would get a chance to play. Like there's a good chance they get a chance to play. Cause I remember Vegas used like four goalies their first year. They kept getting hurt. Right. So even if he starts in the A, he could come up and play a few games. And then if they do go with Anton Kudobin as as the starter, he's 35. So you gotta you gotta start building your goaltending depth with some young guys, some youth for when Kudobin you know, retires or you know moves on, they trade him at the deadline. So uh yeah, that's that's kind of the reasoning I landed on on a goaltender for Ottawa too. So I'll keep uh Gustafson in mind as as the number one, Decord is the number two. Because that seems to be what uh what you're telling me, and I trust you on, on the senators. Hey, that, that's definitely my opinion in terms of I, I would rather lose to Cord. I mean, I'd rather lose neither of them if possible, but I think just because just <laughs> sure. because of Gustafson's age, I think I would lean him. But, um, you know, there's been I've been keeping an eye on Sen's Twitter this past week or two, and there's been cases made both ways about, you know, that they should protect one or the other. Um, you know, and Decord's only a year older. It's not like Decord is super old or anything. He's 24 and Gustafson's 23. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's – the um, um, most agreed to thing upon on Sen's Twitter is that they should not protect Matt Murray. But uh, just knowing the Senators team, it, it absolutely would not shock me if they did. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. So we'll see. And um, I, I think if you're Seattle uh, and you're Seattle fan listening to this, Logan Brown's maybe another name uh, you could look towards if Ottawa decides that they want to protect Austin Watson instead. I would, again, I would personally protect Logan Brown. He's a 23-year-old who has not been able to stay healthy but has lit up every single level he's played at other than the NHL because he hasn't been really given a shot. Um, I don't know what his future is in the NHL, but if he was still a solid second or third-line centerman, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be absolutely shocked. Like The, the, the traits are all there. So um, I do kind of wonder if you know Ottawa's been talked about to you know, kind of want to move on from him, but maybe they do that via trade instead. So that's definitely another name, I think, if you're – looking at this Senators roster that, you know, might be open for the taking. And, and that would definitely be Logan Brown would be a high upside swing as you were talking about uh, earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Well, I love any guy that could play center because that's going to be the position that's just lacking the most in the expansion draft free agency everywhere really is just finding that good center. Vegas still doesn't have, you know, a a top line center, really. They got William Carlson who they kind of, kind of lucked into being as good as he is. And like, that's, that's their center Stevenson too. Like, yeah, he, he would yeah. be that good, right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, a center with upside, I'm really into that. Uh, that's also why Matt Beniers is, is my number one. And that's why I hope they take second overall in the draft this year. I just want a guy who I know can play center, even if he doesn't be a contributor year one, somebody who can, I can at least look down the line and go, you know, in a year, two, three years, we got, we got that guy coming up who, hopefully will be that top six role and, and take over because they can find some wingers somewhere. Uh, I know James and Reams like gets thrown out a lot, you know, uh, guys like that, but, but, but center depth is, is going to be tough. So Logan Brown, if I've seen him on the roster bubble in a lot of uh, Ottawa projections, he's protected in some, not in others. So uh, yeah, I guess I hope he's unprotected then. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really good point on center when, you know, it feels like there's always an influx of, of good NHL wingers. Um, 
you know, around. Like it's pretty easy to find not the elite ones, obviously, but just good first or second line, especially middle six, second and third line. There's plenty of those guys. It feels like in the NHL where, um, you know, that number one center spot is hard. And uh, Seattle's got um, a better start on that. I think than Vegas does to be honest, because uh, you look through the draft anyways, Vegas slipped to sixth. Now, ironically, they got Cody glass at six, which is a, a pretty solid center prospect. And, um, you know, Nolan Patrick hasn't worked out at two. And I, I like Hishier as a, pro, uh, as a player, but uh, yeah, it almost, it felt like the later on you got in that draft in terms of anyways, four, five, six was Heiskin and Makar Pedersen and then Cody glass, but um, uh, Seattle's going to get a chance at two in this draft. And there should, you know, this isn't, um, it's not a superstar filled draft from what I've heard, but as always, there's going to be some, some real good players up at the front there. And, um, what better way to get yourself a good chance at a really high-end player and possibly a centerman than number two overall in the draft, build internally, and and you don't have to rush him in the league right away either. You know, he can go back to play junior hockey and, and for another year or two before you really graduate him when he's ready. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, hockey's not like other sports. Like, your number two pick isn't necessarily going to play in the NHL right away. It wouldn't be that surprising. And for an expansion team, that's totally fine. We're not going to do what Vegas did. We're not going to be that competitive. I do think Vegas changed the expectations a little bit from thinking I'm going to be, you know, a top five pick for the next three years to, you know, maybe they finish 17th. Maybe they're pushing for a playoff spot at the end of year one, you know, like I, I they probably fall short, but I think uh, there's a chance they're at least in the mix there, especially because, you know, Seattle comes in in the Pacific Division when all the California teams are rebuilding and Vancouver did just whatever Vancouver just did. So, like, Calgary, it's not exactly too. like, yeah, it's like Vegas is is the team. And after that, it's a whole lot of I don't really like a lot of question marks. Yeah. So I, I feel like they'll be more competitive than than an old expansion team, but definitely less than Vegas. Uh, yeah. I've, going back to what we started with, I'm definitely OK with whoever they take at number two, going back to college, going back to, to major junior and, and playing a few more years just to make sure they're ready. Yeah. Especially because it doesn't sound like, I, again, I'm not a massive draft guy, but from everything I've heard from people who do follow draft closely is there's probably not one player who is NHL ready in this draft. And, and that's okay. Yeah. Like it's, you know, as long as teams don't overreact and try and force guys into the NHL too soon, like take it one step at a time, that could be better for them. But uh yeah, I think the Pacific division is something that I've overlooked personally too. Like that's a bad division. Like that could be yeah. like, they have the potential really, even if they're not that great of a team, make more noise than they should, because Vegas will be good. We know that Vegas is going to look good. Mm-hmm. Edmonton, they should be a baseline of good with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but it was just two years ago and just three years ago in a still not very good Pacific division. We really saw them struggling to make a playoff spot. Vancouver, yeah, like again, it, they're kind of a lot of question. I, I think they might bounce back from what they were last year, just a healthy Pedersen this year and you know, another year Demko, but they're not a world beater. Like I'm not scared of the Vancouver Canucks. Calgary looks like they're about ready to tear it down. Arizona is in the middle of I don't know what. Uh, and then, yeah, all three <laughs> California teams. I, I think LA will take a step forward next year. They look like they're right on that cusp of getting a bunch of young guys in, but they're going to be really inexperienced yeah. next year. And, you know, Anaheim and San Jose are still in different parts of their rebuild too. So it's not like they're coming into this heavy hitting Atlantic division where you have Boston, Tampa, Toronto, Florida, and I, don't know, I guess we can throw the Habs in there as well. Um, but like, it, it's not like you're coming into a, a one with like six teams with legitimate playoff hopes. There's 
probably three and that's about it. Like, so they definitely have the potential and obviously it'll be back to hopefully next year playing everyone in the league, not just your division, but they definitely have the potential right. to, you know, gain some more points than they maybe otherwise would. So that, that'll be interesting too, because um, you know, I think it's, it's interesting to see what the expectations will be of these guys. I agree with you that uh, Vegas definitely raised the bar, but I would still be cautious. I think in thinking that, you know, this team is going to be a playoff team right away. I think it would be good for them, yeah. you know, if, if they struggle, right. Or not even struggle, but just, you know, get another high pick next year and then go from there, yeah. you know, but um, it all depends on what's available as a roster too. Right. If there's a couple young guys with high upside, then you go and take them and swing. And, you know, if that makes your team go from 28th to 25th, you take that any day of the week, I would say. Yeah. For sure. And, uh, I, I think that's another reason you go for the upside. And if those guys don't work out, that's, you know, I mean, that's fine if they don't work out year one, because then you get another draft pick, you go at it again next year. You should have several draft picks uh, for the next couple of years with the, with the cap trades and everything. So uh, I think people around here are very um, aware that, you know, Seattle's not going to the finals in year one. Uh, and a, a playoff push would be like, like, like the, the, the goal would be great to be, in the hunt for a playoff spot, but like even missing the playoffs is not a problem. Being a bottom five team and getting a lottery pick is not a problem. Like it's an expansion team. It's like a carried away. And everybody I've talked to around here is very uh, cognizant of that. And I, I don't think, I don't think Vegas has really screwed up anybody's expectations all that much, which is good because I don't want fans to get real excited and then just these guys suck and then not want to go back. But uh, yeah, I don't, it, I don't think it's a big problem. I was just saying that that's the, the fine line you got to walk with an expansion team, right? Where it's like, you want to be, you know, the, the best thing long-term is probably that you, you know, not struggle, but you have a high pick for a couple of years, but you don't want to be so bad. Like the early Ottawa senators and Tampa Bay lightning were, where they're winning eight games in a year and no one wants to come watch the team. Right. Like I, I think yeah. best case scenario for this team is they're a fun team, you know, that, that plays an exciting game of hockey and, they just maybe don't have the high end talent to get themselves through, you know, to the end and they still get a decent pick out of it. And I think that is very realistic and that is a fun year. You know, that kind of reminds me of what Ottawa did literally just this year where it was a lot of fun. And at the end of the day, a bunch of their young guys made it. So they, they finished, I think it was eighth last instead of bottom, top five, but that's quite okay. You know, no one in Ottawa is, you know, really caring about that because at the end of the day, it was just a fun season watching the guys grow and, you know, watching, generally pretty fun hockey. There were some nights that kind of sucked, but that's like for every, every team. Right. So I, I think that's yeah. exactly. So th that should be the goal where it's like, you know, you, you play this fun style hockey, you get fans invested, but um, you know, at the end of the day, if a playoff run doesn't happen, you're not too disappointed. And I think that's a good place to be just to, you know, start off a franchise. Yeah. If Seattle had Ottawa's season from this year, I would not be disappointed in that at all. You know, when Ottawa got all their young guys playing, Got to see you got to see the future you know it's cool I, like i tuned into a lot more ottawa games than i you know thought i would at the beginning of the year i was like man ottawa still looks pretty rough uh but then you know to see tim uh is it okay hang on is it stutzel or stutzla i've heard both <laughs> i i say stutzla but i i've also heard both so okay okay yeah. well, i mean to see him play he did pretty good you know it was fun to watch you know just those young guys so if seattle can have a similar sort of track record where you know, they're still not a great team, but then you see these young guys show flashes of what could be, you know, young guys that come up and be like, man, that couple of years, he's a top six winger, that sort of thing. And then you see him, you know, 
Didn't they have a winning record against Toronto? Like, see them beat, yep. beat teams like that. Like, watch Seattle beat Vegas a couple times would make me so happy, regardless of their record. Yeah, I, I want to see – I think a nice Seattle-Vancouver rivalry getting going would be cool too. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I, I think that, yeah, there's definitely possibilities. where, And that was the cool thing with the Ottawa season this year is they really – I mean, they got dummy by the teams at West and it wasn't really like Edmonton beat them all nine times that they played, which is honestly an insane statistic, even when I think about it now, but um, you know, but that didn't matter because, well, it's not that it didn't matter. It was frustrating watching that, but it, it mattered way less than if it was Toronto or Montreal kicking Ottawa's ass time and time again, whereas right. Ottawa got to play spoiler. And it was like, Montreal was about three points away from missing the playoffs because they lost to Ottawa. The difference was Calgary also missed the playoffs because they went three and six against Ottawa in the regular season. So it's like, it is fun playing spoilers, a team like that as an underdog. And um, I definitely speak from a, you know, obviously Ottawa has been a little more bad than, you know, like this will be Seattle's first year. So it won't matter, but um, yeah, definitely that process of just getting to see guys that might be part of the future, actually playing big roles is something that, you know, it's just a nice highlight in what, you know, might be a lower year in terms of the, the standings anyways. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, 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 you know, a big Seahawks fan too. So we've uh, haven't had, we haven't had, I've been on like a really good football team fan base, which is a lot of fun to see your team win. But, you know, I also look at other teams that get, you know, first overall pick. And I'm like, I wonder what that's like. So now it's fun, kind of fun to be on the other side and see what it is. What is it like to, you know, look at the draft and study it a lot more and see who's at the top end. We could actually get that guy. Uh, so it'll be it'll be a completely different experience than, uh, you know, cheering for the Seahawks this last decade. And they've had all the success. <laughs> say, I will Which say as a, Ra- <laughs> as a Raiders fan, you don't want to be stuck in that for too long. It's nice for a year. <laughs> no, yeah, too, yeah, yeah. By year, I don't know, 15 of that. It's like, all right, guys, like I, I could, uh, you know, maybe see a winning team one of these times, but uh, yeah, no. One of these days. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. Gruden's got how many more years left on this contract? Uh, oh. <laughs> we'll stick on hockey for now, just because I, football yeah. makes me a little more sad. But uh, um, the, the other thing I wanted to touch on quick, too, was um, – I want to get your thoughts on, you know, their management and coaching hires uh, so far. Uh, they just hired a, an assistant coach as we were recording, actually, just about as we were recording. Let me pull up his name. I don't even know if I'd heard of him. Uh, Jay Leach. Jay, um, Jay Leach? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he is, I believe that's the first assistant coach, correct? Uh, correct. He's a yeah. former player as well, um, played for the Devils and the Lightning. Um, again, I, I don't really know much about him coaching or anything like that. I don't really think that assistant coaches have the biggest um, impact anyway. So I don't think it's um, a huge thing, but he was uh, the Providence Bruins head coach for the past three years. So, um, and he's been an AHL assistant coach for a couple of years as well. But um, yeah, I, I want to get your opinion on um, the coaching hire and also the GM. Uh, let's start with the coaching once a little more fresh kind of came out of left field. I thought like it was announced that they were going to, um, announce it on the day and there was a, a couple names linked um, um i'm trying to think who i'm blanking yeah, on yeah, here. rick, rick Tockett Talk was, it, common, Talk it was a big thought. one yeah oh. yeah um who went to uh uh, uh Glon. he was kind of a, another one that was yeah. tossed in there as a maybe and and it ends up being dave haxtell kind of out of nowhere uh what were your thoughts on that you know do, do you have much of an opinion one way or the other or is kind of a coach a coach for the first year or two here uh, you know, going into that, they've been so good at keeping everything quiet, right? Like the name didn't 
didn't leak, which is shocking. I heard cracking a couple times, but everybody was like, yeah, but that's not actually going to be it. Uh, so going into the announcement, I was like, all right, it's either Rick Tockett or a name I've never heard. And I'm, I'm ready for it. I was braced for it. And then I heard Dave Haxall and I was still surprised. I was just like, Dave, Dave Haxtall? Really? Like I follow enough Flyers fans on Twitter to, uh, you know, realize that a lot of people don't think too highly of Dave Haxtell. Uh, so I went, but I went through and I dug through his numbers and I wrote a piece on him and uh, I talked myself into it. Uh, so if, if you're trying to build for the future, right. If you're talking about developing young guys and you got a coach who's spent 11 years at the university of North Dakota, coaching 18 to 22 year old kids, like, Maybe that's not the worst hire. Maybe you get a guy that's used to working with with fresh faces. And also, if you spend a lot of time in the college ranks, he sees completely new teams every four years at most, just entirely new guys. So um, if anybody's got, anybody's got experience bringing a, a group of guys that have never played on a team together before, you know, a guy in college isn't a bad choice. Um, and I'm not against giving second, ch- second chances either. Uh, like we talked about the Seahawks earlier, Pete Carroll did the same thing. People compared him. He was a great college coach. Failed in the NFL, got fired, came back in the NFL and won a Super Bowl, right? So I'm not convinced if Axel is the next Pete Carroll, but I do think it's it's possible to fail, get fired, come back, learn from it. And I'm excited to see, you know, what he did learn. Uh, a lot of his style, too, when I was looking into his numbers was he liked to run his offense through his blue line, you know, get a lot of shots from the point, traffic in front, that sort of thing. And as we talked about in the expansion draft, defense is probably the strong suit that you're going to get out of the expansion draft. So, you know, if you want to run your team through your, your strength, right? So if you got a strong blue line, maybe it's not the worst idea to run an offense through your blue line. Yeah, and I think even his his recent work in the last year or two has been something I would say is a notch in his cap since been being fired. And he um, has been the defensive coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs defense and penalty kill. And, um, you know, I know that's a bit of a meme at times, but uh, this year Toronto's defense was like legitimately good. Like, and a lot of that I think was uh, personnel they brought in, but at the same time, you can't fault Hackstall for anything. I don't think they're like, no, I don't really like I was talking with my buddy chase on uh, my other podcast about this and, I said, how many, and he's a Leafs fan. I said, how many times do you hear people complain about the minutes that defense were getting for Toronto defenses here? And he's like, it was Dermot maybe and Sandine in the playoffs. And that was about it. And, and Sandine, I think is more of a Sheldon Keefe thing than it is Hackstall. So, and, and they were like a legitimately good team at preventing shot. Well, at least above average or, you know, much better than they were in the past at preventing shots against, and even on the penalty kill, they had a pretty solid penalty kill as well. So um, I, I think if you're looking at even just his recent stuff since being fired from Philly, there's some legitimate growth there. And I, I don't think it's the worst option. I, I don't like, I don't know. I, I'm very of the mind that I think coaching probably doesn't have near as big of an impact um, for most guys as, you know, especially in other sports like football coaching has a massive impact because you can draw up plays and schemes to, you know, get your guys open and everything. It, it's so condensed and, and start off on, off on. Right. But in hockey, it's just so free flowing that it's like, you have the Barry Trots of the world that clearly make a difference with their scheme and stuff like that. And I think you could put John Cooper up there. Uh, Claude Julian always has really good teams, but then you also have the David Quinns of the world where it's like, okay, you just get nothing out of this team, but then you have about 20 guys somewhere in the middle where it's like, yeah, you do some things good. You do other things. Not so great. You're just an average NHL coach. And if that's what Hackstall is, I don't like that. That's fine. Like, I, I don't think that's uh 
you know, a bad thing at all for Seattle. So I, I don't, I don't hate the hire. I was, I was surprised though. Cause it came in like absolutely out of left field. I didn't hear his name at all until the day. Of. I was, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, uh, my biggest thing is I hope that I hope guys want to play for him. Cause like you said, I don't know how much coaching scheme, how, how much of an effect that really has on the ice, but you, you gotta have guys that are, that want to play for the team. Right. I don't want John Torrella coming in and benching guys and having everybody hate coming into the locker room every day. Uh, so, and I honestly don't know exactly what the players themselves think of Dave Axtell. Uh, I, I hope they like him. I guess I haven't heard a ton of people taking a lot of shots at him. Um, so I'm a little in the dark on that one, but that, that's, that's my main goal for the coach, right? Is I, I just want a guy that guys want to come play for. Yeah. And I think I can link that back to auto again, where it's like, um, I don't think DJ Smith is going to be the guy that brings them to a Stanley cup. Sorry if you heard that. My dad is a Habs fan and I'm assuming the lightning just scored. Um, I, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think DJ Smith is um, someone who's going to take them back to the promised land or anything like that. But you know, for what it is right now, the guys work really hard under him, even though they've been a bad team for three years now. And that's important. So if Hackstall can bring that kind of yeah. stuff out where you get guys working hard and you'll get the best of them for a couple of years. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't see it through long-term. Um, I mean, how Gallant took his team to a Stanley cup final in year one and got axed after year three. So um, I, who knows like the coaching lifestyle lifeline isn't that long, but um, yeah, as long, I think it's, um, much more about what you get out of the players for the first couple of years than it is just, can you clog up the middle and make a boring scheme? Because, you know, having the guys want to be there and making a good um, culture, which I feel like gets overused at times, but it is important in a situation like this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my main goal. I just want guys that uh, work hard for the coach. Yeah. And then I, I think, you know, getting back to, you know, why stuff doesn't leak that starts at the top and that starts with Ron Francis, uh, uh, the general manager and, um, uh, you know, I really, from an on ice standpoint, I, I do really like this hire. I think he, um, he doesn't get enough credit for the core that the Carolina hurricanes have right now. Um, you know, that that's a smart organization with some really smart people in it as well. But, uh, Ron Francis put a lot of those building blocks in place. And, uh, I, I, I really think, you know, he, he, everything I've heard anyways, kind of feels like he's a really good mix between old school hockey and new, new age. And I think his work in Carolina and already in Seattle showing that where, He'll bring some old school hockey, you know, he, the eye test is still going to be there or whatever, but he is not afraid to listen to statistics, uh, stats guys either. You know, Eric Tolsky is yeah. one of the brightest minds and always has been in hockey analytics. And he's like right up there with the assistant GM, I think now in Carolina. And he was always his right-hand man um, with Ron Francis as well. And already in Seattle, they've hired so many names, you know, in that analytics staff. So I, I really think <laughs> that was one of the best possible choices they could have made. And uh, I'm really excited to see what he does with this team. Yeah, I was stoked about Ron Francis. You know, it's a guy who, I mean, first of all, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, it's pretty cool just to see the guy who's, I think he's like third all-time in points or something like that. Like, it's it's pretty awesome to see him, the GM of the Kraken. And then he also, uh, yeah, he's he's got experience. He seems open to analytics. Still definitely has to be an old-school guy because he you know played old-school hockey. Uh, so I think he's very open to the marriage of both. And then they also hired their analytics staff before they even hired him. So, uh it's, it's really cool to see. It feels like the analytics staff and him are going to work really well together. You know, Alexandra Mandricki, she was there first and then brought him on. And I, I just, I love, I love my big nerd team. You know, I think, <laughs> I think they're going to be great. Uh, and I'm, I can't wait to see how they work the expansion draft. I think you're going to find a lot of value there. Uh, and I'm excited to see that. 
say Namita is another name. She worked with the Eagles as well on that Super Bowl team. So that's really cool. Yeah. Like it's, they have yeah. just a bunch of people where it's like, Oh, this, this could be like awesome. And um, you, you definitely need that middle, middle area too, because you know, as important statistics are part of the, I think difficulty and uh, this is a lot in football. I've noticed too, trying to get in, you know, football analytics a little bit is um, not just using the analytics, but con- um, conveying them so that everyone can understand what they mean. And, um, you know, I'm assuming that's the same in a, in a front office, you know, it only does so good to have a bunch of statisticians, but if they can't explain to the general manager why it's important and get him to buy in, it doesn't really do anything. But Ron Francis seems like someone who's willing to learn and, and willing to keep an open, open ear about that stuff. So, you know, if they have good communication and, you know, Toronto's another area where I think we've seen that too with Shanahan and Dubas working together and um, you know, on some of their moves, I think it's been really smart and then others you know i don't necessarily agree with but that's just kind of how it works and i think you know that kind of open communication will be um important for any franchise but especially a new one trying to get going here so um i'm very intrigued to see how it works but yeah i I thought ron francis was one of the best options they they could have chosen to you know start the franchise with here as a gm yeah for sure i'm I'm nothing but nice things to to say about ron francis excited to see what he brings going forward because I mean, he was there a few years ago in Carolina, and Carolina's really good now. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a good time. He, he knows how to kind of build a team up. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, and the other thing, too, and, and you know, uh, he did it in Carolina where he didn't really have that many resources, and especially financially anyway. So, he really worked his way through the draft to build that team and smart trades and stuff. And that's um, – it's not like Seattle's not going to have money to spend or anything. They just spent uh, – hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to get into this league. Um, But, but at the same time, um, you know, working through the draft and through trades and stuff like that is going to be the the way to go instead of just splashing a bunch of money around in free agency in the first year or two or whatever. So uh, I think that's encouraging to see as well, where it's like, it won't have to be the same model. I think there'll be more financial resources there for him, but at the same time, it can be the same model. And we've seen that model be pretty effective, um, you know, to at least get the base of a solid team. So uh, I I think that's uh, very, very exciting. Um, uh, The last thing I just want to ask quick before we get out there, is there any player you really want to see on this team? Like if there's like one guy or a couple guys that, you know, realistically might be available, but you just really want to see them. Is there anyone like that? Or are you just excited to see what the roster looks like? Oh man. You know, I go back and forth all over the place. Uh, Like, honestly, I thought Yanni Gord was untouchable until just, you know, recently when I've seen him be unprotected. I love Yanni Gord. I think he's a great player and he's really fun to watch. Um, Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of them on, on there. Definitely. I honestly, PK Subban would be a lot of fun. I think it's probably not going to happen, but man, that guy's just as a person, someone fun to root for. Uh, and then, and then probably Matt Dumba is another one that I really like too. Also as a person and a player, just to both of those. And I know Minnesota, I've looked at Minnesota so much because they have like five no move clauses and three of them are on defense. So yeah. like they either have to protect four defensemen, make a side deal or expose Matt Dumba. And they might want to, cause he's got a, I think $6 million cap hit. Uh, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be stoked to see Matt Dumba come here. He, he's definitely one of my top guys. Yeah, it's definitely a couple of good names and uh, it should be really exciting, you know, re- regardless. I think it'll be a couple of weeks of chaos here as we wrap up the Stanley Cup playoffs and get into, you know, draft season and expansion draft and then free agency. That's all going to be within about a week and a half. It's going to be just yeah. jam packed full of content, but uh, it's always fun, you know, because then you get, you get your couple months off that will probably be a 
six weeks this time with no hockey, but then September you're starting to ramp it all up again. And I'm sure for Seattle fans doing it for the first time will be uh, extra special. Just kind of seeing how the team folds out and everything. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, plug some stuff. Where can people find you, your work, all that good stuff. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Morris, the underscore at the end. Uh, you know, like you said, I write about hockey at Cascadia Sportsnet. Uh, you can Google that. Otherwise, you know, just you know, hit me up on Twitter if you got any questions about Seattle. I'm very, uh, very up for talking about the Kraken anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, thank you so much, Dan. I'll have to have you on again down the road when, when there's an actual team and hockey to talk about with Seattle too. And uh, it, it's cool to think that that is just a, a short couple months away before they're actually playing games as well. So um, thank you so much yeah. for uh, joining me today. Huge thanks to Dan for joining me. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, really enjoyed the the chat, and I'm looking forward to this expansion draft. Uh, I think Ottawa overall is in a pretty good spot, but um, the expansion draft is always absolutely mayhem, and I think there is going to be uh, – it's not going to be any different this year. It's going to be absolutely crazy just seeing what teams do to avoid uh, people getting drafted and the moves they make. And uh, um, quickly before we wrap up, uh, I, I have to definitely mention and uh, give condolences to uh, Matisse Kivlenix and his family. Uh, obviously, he was the Columbus Blue Jackets goalie who tragically passed away on the 4th of July. Um, it's a sad story, all, all things together. Um, sounds like a firework accident and uh, 24 years old. That's just too young to go. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends right now. Um, and it's a bit of a sad way to end the podcast, but it definitely needed to be shouted out. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And again, I hope to be back in a week at maximum two. Um, so thank you for all the support, like, share, uh, everything like that. It means a lot. And I will talk to you all next week.